good to see you too. Okay. Um, you know what? Just wanted to kind of make myself available a little here, uh, share my excitement for the season with our fans, and uh, really that's the reason. It's sort of impromptu. I didn't give any notice. I appreciate you guys coming on short notice too. Uh, kind of woke up this morning and said, you know, uh, talked in March extensively about the state of the team, but some of, you, some of you don't get to the owners' meetings in March. So I was thinking, okay, good time to do it. I'm excited. Share it with the fans. And uh, it's not meant to be a state of the team or anything, just sort of an impromptu thing and have fun like we did last time. Okay? Open up to any questions, you guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, Jeff. Um, Rube. Other than 2015, how he's been the GM since 2010, no playoff wins during that span. What's your evaluation of him going into this year through this offseason, and what gives you the confidence he's the guy to build a championship yeah, team? Yeah, I think Howie's done a tremendous job. Uh, I have real total confidence in Howie. The last uh, couple years, um, remarkable franchise-changing decisions, and um, uh, as I've said before, uh, it is not easy to not tank – and be able to accomplish the goals you want to make in the NFL. It's so hard to get quarterbacks. And uh, the maneuvering, the use of assets the way we did, the identification of um, the one player that we, you know, had a lot of confidence in, Carson Wentz, at a time when other teams all needed quarterbacks. Um, that's just one of many, many key things that, that uh, Howie, the player personnel department, analytics, everybody – has participated in and the coaches in a big way. Um, ever since then, it's like been one domino after another in terms of uh, smart moves, really happy with the additions this offseason, as was last offseason. Uh, in today's NFL, and I've said this before, um, it's, it's not simply having, okay, this is your scout or this is your GM or whatever. Football operations requires enormous um, processing and uh, identifying of key data. And if you don't have great player personnel department, excellent analytics department, really good sports science, top-notch player development, excellent teaching, um, you're not going to be the, the team you want to be. And uh, Howie's primary function is to organize that and to be the final decision maker when it comes to the key moves we make, and uh, also to structure contracts so that we can maximize our assets. And uh, you know the way he structured the Sam Bradford contract allowed us to retrieve a first-round draft choice and a fourth-round draft choice. Very hard to accomplish in this league. We also didn't have a lot of assets to be able to trade up in terms of getting Carson and um, to that number two pick. Uh, you know we were not a two and fourteen team. We were. A, going to be drafting 13, I think, and uh, how do you get there? How do you get up there? We could get to eight. It was a double move, very rare. Um, you know, when you look back on the last couple years, um, very impressive performance, and I, I couldn't have more confidence in Howie. Um, Jeffrey, uh, you yeah. sort of covered what I was going to ask, but I'll, I'll say uh, ask uh, specifically about, you know, uh, some of the things that, that, that Howie's done since that owner's beating, yeah. uh, the, shoring up the secondary, kind of turning a surplus, uh, of wide receivers into uh, into a strength or maybe 
close to yep. building a strength there. I'm satisfied with that. Yeah, this, the, the key, and you know, I think it's being philosophically um, sharp, which is this. Uh, can you have take a, a patient midterm and long-term view and at the same time maximize short-term opportunities? And that's also not hard to do, and that's not easy to do in the NFL. So what we've been able to do, I think, this offseason is really improve with a lot of um, good young players, uh, position ourselves to be able to have the flexibility to re-sign every good player we have, and at the same time, adding some one-year players that are very good players like Alshon Jeffrey uh, and Timmy Jernigan, where you have the uh, the ability to potentially have their rights, extend them, see how they are, and uh, and go forward. That dual purpose, I mean, you know, some franchises, uh, you can see it happening now with this potential quarterback draft choice, draft uh, class. They're just uh, trading away assets and trying to get draft picks. We, we've taken the philosophy that we can try to find a way to get a franchise quarterback and then try to really maximize both the short term and the long term uh, as best you can. And consistently, every decision for the short term has been where we don't sacrifice any midterm or long-term flexibility, and that was the that was the absolute standard that we believed in and do believe in. So, what specifically is the expectation this year for Doug Peterson and for the team? Okay, um, the expectation this year is that we have improved the team. Uh, who knows how the season's going to go in terms of injuries, um, whether chemistry comes together. Uh, every season's a marathon. It's not determined uh, until you really look back on it and what happened and uh, how successful were you. But, you know, I think I love the blueprint we have. I think that we are headed in a terrific direction. Um, and, uh, I, look, I think, honestly, you're dealing with a team that's pretty young team. You have some veterans that select, you know, positions like punter and things like that but and left tackle. Uh, but basically a young team that uh, has re-signed a lot of players, a lot of the core players, ability to acquire future players will, will uh, evolve and, and have a great you know, opportunity there to do that. But the key is that we, we have the opportunity to compete strongly now, and that's, that's what I expect. I expect us to compete strongly, and we're in the second year of a – of a very potentially special young quarterback. We don't even know that yet. So you look around the league. We're not, you know, like all of us, we look around. We see the good young quarterbacks, how they do in their second year, how the teams do in their second year. Uh, it's not so much these young quarterbacks don't evolve. I think there's a similarity to the way uh, Marcus Mariota, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, you name it, the ones that are successful. You can see year one, year two, year three, my expectation with Carson is he will be better in year two than year one. He'll be significantly better in year three than year two, and he'll be significantly better in year four than year three. That's where, that's where we're at. The difference in records of the teams with all those, you can research it yourself. But it typically, I think, is how terrific do you surround them? And, you know, you have young quarterbacks that join teams and take them to the Super Bowl. Very, but those are teams basically that have – top two, top three defenses, and, uh, and whatever. We hope to be there. We hope to be there. But uh, 
Uh, that's the rarity. And, um, you know, I see us as a team with an excellent blueprint, great opportunity, terrific direction, but we're in year two of the plan. Jeff, um, a former NFL GM recently came out strongly criticizing Doug Peterson in terms of his qualifications Mm -hmm. and made it seem as if he was under the gun in terms of his tenure here. You mentioned improvement and how this is going to be a a long haul. What's your endorsement of Doug, and will you stay with him and see see this through? I have a strong endorsement of Doug. I think, uh, first of all, those comments I kind of, you guys call it clickbait or hot takes. Uh, that, that's, that's how I saw that. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, Doug, um, think about this. I mean, Doug took over a team that had um, some locker room issues with the previous head coach, uh, lost his starting quarterback uh, 10 days before the start of the season and was asked to use our young third-string quarterback, um, had to put together – a coaching staff and, 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 you know, my personal evaluation of the coaching staff that he put together or inherited but was open to inherit is outstanding. I mean, really outstanding. And um, uh, that is a, that's a huge credit because quarterback analysis, uh, locker room chemistry, and the ability to um, put together a a top-notch coaching staff. Those are three real key ingredients, and I think he aced them all. Um, uh, yes, there's going to be growing pains with any first-year head coach. We've we've had that with Andy. We've had it with Chip. We've had it, you know, no matter who it is. Um, I see him as someone who can keep improving, and uh, uh, he's a listener. He's a collaborator, and uh, I think he has terrific relationships with the players, and. Um, you know, the future's in front of them, and uh, it's there for the taking. Jeff, would you sign Colin Kaepernick if you had a need at quarterback? And what do you think the owners around the league's responsibility is when it comes to uh, players who are demonstrating in the name of social injustice? Uh, it's, you know, it's, that's kind of two questions in one. Let me just focus on social injustice because uh, – um, it's a big problem in America, social injustice. It's a big problem around the globe. And um, uh, anybody who uh, wants to do proactive things to try to reverse social injustice, I'm all in favor of. Uh, It has to be respectful. It certainly has to respect uh, the military and the people that serve, the women and men that serve our country, um, emergency responders, whoever that is. Um, You've got to, I think, do it in a respectful way. But I I applaud anybody that... uh, you know, can find respectful ways of, of uh, trying to use their platform in some way um, to discuss social injustice. We all need to discuss it. Uh, we've all seen it around us. We live in a city that has a lot of it, and uh, it's it, multiple issues. They're not just, uh, you know, they're not racial, simply racial issues. They are, there's, there's a lot of economic issues, and uh, um, players have grit and determination. There's no boundary on how that grit and determination um, gets expressed. I'm not talking about Colin here. I'm just talking about the concept of social injustice in America and elsewhere. And, uh, you know, sports is is an opportunity to bring people together. And I I see it as an opportunity. I applaud, you know, um, when players can bring communities together. We see it all the time. And uh, uh, I think it's great, you know. 
I have no idea, but that's that's you know we we are completely uh, happy with our quarterback situation. So like every position situation, I mean, if that happened, we'd have to fully evaluate it. Uh, with Michael Vick, there was a complete vetting of uh, how is he as a teammate, uh, what is his character, what's his potential, what's his football intelligence, uh, can he can he be a, a backup uh, in Michael's situation or a third string in that time period. It's a whole series of evaluations. Um, so anyway, that's that's how we'd approach any player acquisition. I don't want to talk about any specific player. Jeffrey, how have you seen Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas work together, and why are you confident that partnership can work and be the one to lead this organization going forward? Yeah, I've been uh, incredibly impressed with the two of them. Uh, Howie has, you know, I think been a, a terrific um, manager uh, and really kind of I think with a lot of self-reflection has become somebody that has organized those multiple departments in a very good way, attracting Joe, Andy, and that whole group uh, has been terrific. Joe has uh, uh, just been wonderful to work with, and um, you know they they seem to be working uh, great together. And uh, uh, the nice thing about them is I think they can have a lot of open discussion on every issue, and uh, and and that's how you reach the best decisions. And that that's what I've seen. I was very happy with uh, you know the whole process in the draft this year, um, and I thought it was very thorough. It was very strategic. Uh, we knew exactly. Uh, at what we would do if X player wasn't there, and uh, it was it was simply a great discussion about what to do in the second round. Uh, that was an upside decision, obviously, of the organization. Um, it hurt the short term, um, but we thought it was looking forward. Uh, we don't expect to be drafting in the top ten for a while, hopefully for a decade or more. Uh, and uh, it's hard to get um, cornerbacks that you rate you know, in the top one or two in the draft. Very hard to get. So did a lot of research. Uh, Howie, Joe led the way and uh, um, basically made the gamble that uh, Sidney can be, uh, you know, the premier cornerback we think he can be uh, and healthy. And it's a gamble, but uh, it was something we thought was a good strategy. Jeffrey, uh, as an owner in this league, uh, as a follow-up to Colin, Sure. Uh, there are a number of people who believe he's been blacklisted. As an owner, how would you address yeah. them? Well, <laughs> I think the definition of blacklist is some discussion amongst people to not hire or not approve or something like that. I've never had a discussion with anybody, so uh, it doesn't work that way. I mean, there's no communication. We're very competitive against each other, uh, the 32 owners, Uh I don't reveal anything. They don't reveal anything. And, uh, you know, there's no discussion that ever takes place about any player. In my 23 years in the league, I've never heard any discussion of a player uh, like that. You keep it to yourself, and you have your own strategy. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, that, that's the way it works. Hi, Jeffrey. I heard you uh, speak a little while ago about – keeping a long-term vision while maximizing the short term. Yes. And I know in, in March you spoke of needing multiple drafts to really get uh-huh. to the point where you have the team you want. Uh, but now that you're on the threshold of the 2017 season, is this a playoff team? Oh, I, I think so much happens in a given season that uh, you, you can never say that. I mean, I've never in 23 or three years, even if coming off all those multiple 
NFC champ, NFC East championship games and uh, NFC East titles and all that. I've never come and said, you know, oh, we're obviously a playoff team. Uh, it just doesn't work that way in the NFL. I mean, uh, look at last year. Uh, what was what was his Atlanta's record going into the season, and what was Dallas's record going into that season last year? Uh, I think Dallas became the number one seed, and what was Atlanta six and ten? going into last year with, with Matty Ice, who's a very good quarterback, but we'd be sitting here talking about how could you have Matty Ice and be 6-10. and 10. And they, you know, developed one hell of a team. Uh, so it, it's, it's sort of foolhardy to make any predictions whatsoever. You, uh, you mentioned the analytics department. Yeah. Um, I don't think fans have a ton of insight in, into that group. What role does it play in, in player personnel, and, and how, what is sort of the scope of, of that group? Yeah, we've been, we've been you know, uh, utilizing analytics for a long, long time, but um, now I guess it's, it's probably more codified where um, there, there's just so much data to gain when you do the research. And uh, this is on college players, pro players, um, when you can really correlate – uh, and figure out what creates success. All you're trying to do really is beat the odds. Uh, anyone who studies the NFL draft knows the odds of hitting on draft picks is not high. Uh, whether Whatever round you're in, first is the highest, but it's not high. And I, I know Washington Post did a pretty interesting uh, study of the draft over the last, was it, 10, 15 years? And um, it, it was pretty interesting and very accurate, I think, uh, uh, it's, it's, so all, all you try to do is bring analytics, uh, medical, uh, everything together, uh, psychological, to try to up your odds. So if the odds in a fourth round are uh, 21% of a team ever getting a player that can start for five years, you're trying to get it to 30% or 40% or something like that. That's the only way to you know, improve your performance. And that's, uh, so analytics, I think increasingly around sports is very important, but it's a tool. That's all it is. You know, if you're looking at uh, Carson Wentz, we do analytics, but uh, it took a lot more than analytics to decide that we were going to select Carson. Hey, Jeff. Um, If I could follow up with something about Kaepernick, when you said you um, applaud anyone who respectfully finds respectful ways, you know, to yeah. have their platform. Does, does kneeling for the national anthem, does that, is that respectful to you? I, I, you I mean, know what? How do you, I, how do you react to that? Yeah. I, I don't think that uh, anybody who is protesting the national anthem in and of itself is very respectful. If that's all their platform is, is to protest the national anthem, then what's the proactive nature of it? Okay. It's, it's sort of, but I think we sometimes can misinterpret what those are. And, uh, you know, I've talked to Malcolm Jenkins about it, and, uh, you know, I think um, there's, he, he's involved, very involved in our community here. And uh, that's, that's my involvement with Malcolm. It's, it's what can you do as a player um, to be involved in the community, whether it's social injustice, whether it's autism, you, you, you name it. There's opportunities to really be proactive. We as a franchise try to be as proactive as you can be as a sports franchise, and we hope we'll get more and more proactive, um, you know, and particularly on, on issues that uh, we think are company-wide, like autism and things like that. So um, 
I, I just, you know, I, I think it's all about respect. It's respect. And uh, any, anyone who, you know, I think doesn't have respect for the servicemen that, that support the country um, loses me. So it's like uh, very important to show respect for the flag, for the anthem, but it can be misinterpreted that certain people are not showing respect. We got to get to the bottom of what are they trying to accomplish and are they being proactive in the community and what are they doing? And that's, you know, I think you got to take a more a holistic view of it. We'll take four more. Four mics that are out there. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jeff. When, yeah. um, when Jason Peters got his extension earlier a few months ago, he yeah. mentioned, uh, he said you guys were best friends. Mm-hmm. So just curious about what your relationship is like with him and, and have you changed the way you, you try to be in relationships with or your relationships with players over the years, knowing that it is a business and you right. guys come and go? Uh, well, you know, first on Jason. Jason and I are very close. Um, I, I have unbelievable respect for him as a player and as a teammate, as a person. And um, uh, we just, uh, you know, we've had a close relationship for a long time. Uh, I've had close relationships with so many players. I don't think I've changed my philosophy on that whatsoever. It's um, It's sometimes really hard when you have to, trade a player. Uh, recently, John Dornbus, he's like a family member. Um, but, you know, it's, it goes with the territory. You try to become as real and genuine as you can be with your fellow teammates, your players, your partners here. Uh, you're all in this together. And uh, I've never shied away from it. I've been, you know, as you may or may not know, close with a lot, a lot of players, a lot of coaches. And I, you know, maintain that friendship, regardless of whether they're still in the Eagles family or not. But um, so, no, there's been no change, and uh, I love Jason. Jason's just uh, very special. Trevor, you've talked a lot about drafting well and the value yeah. in terms of team building and, and building the talent around Carson Wentz. This offseason, the decision to bring in guys like Alshon Jeffrey, LeGarrette Blunt on short-term deals. Mm-hmm. Is there any concern about any upheaval moving forward, given the salary cap, about keeping those guys and finding that balance of building around the quarterback that you're ultimately going to have to extend to a long-term deal? It's well said. It's a balance. But, I mean, Alshon provided the opportunity to get a young player. Um, You know, if Alshon were 33 or something, we probably would have had very little interest in in doing a one-year deal like that. This was a 27-year-old a uh, very good young receiver that we thought could be something that we would potentially be able to re-sign. We never signed anybody that we couldn't potentially re-sign going forward. That was the that was the standard. If there was somebody that was only going to be here and he was 27 and we couldn't re-sign him, why why do that? You know, give up assets or give up uh, uh, significant cap room or something like that. Yeah. Um. Any more thought uh, to uh, bidding for a Super Bowl? I know you mentioned that when they were in New York. Bidding for a Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah I'd love to. I mean, I really want to get the draft again. We can talk uh, about the draft. The draft was one huge Philly success. Uh, you know, personally, it, it meant a lot to me. I love showcasing Philly across the country. I tell people wherever I go how incredible our fans are. But, you know, they're fans of other teams. There's owners I talk to about it, but they have their teams. Uh, it's very special here. It's, it's incredibly special to own a team, and it's incredibly special to have this fan base. And um, uh, the draft kind of showed it to the rest of the country, which I loved. I think it was great economically for the city, and I hope the city and the NFL can you know, come together and uh, bring another draft to, to Philly. Um, Super Bowl-wise, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, 
you know, if we were able to build a uh, retractable dome stadium, I think we would have had a Super Bowl by now. Um, it was attempted in New York. It was successful, but uh, it's it's um, it's not something I think the league is, uh, you know, plotting to repeat. Um, it may happen, but it's 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 more iffy. Yeah. Obviously, Howie and Doug report to you, but what's your yep. level of involvement on a day-to-day basis in terms of the decisions mm-hmm. and the dynamics within the building? You know, um, as I said, I ask a lot of questions. You, you've known that. I, I engage with them all the time. Uh, great relationship with both. Uh, Howie, I probably, uh, I don't know, talk to a couple times a day at, at, at a minimum at different times. Because uh, we're dealing not just with players. We're dealing with the whole football operations, you know. Um, so the technology, we want to be at the forefront of every form of technology that can give our players or coaches a better resource. We're constantly looking for what's, what can give us a leg up on everything. So we're, we're talking about all that kind of stuff. Doug, uh, as you know, very um, genuine, friendly person that's easy to talk to. Uh, I can... Uh, easily ask him, and he can ask me, and you know, I share experiences I've had uh, in the league and with other coaches and whatever. Um, just want to be a support system. You know, there's not a lot of uh, critical decisions that get made in those conversations, but it could lead to, you know, critical decisions and strategies that we form for the draft or free agency. Um, so, and then you know, you'll have the coach will go over. Uh, his game planning for a future game, and uh, uh, it's, I might have some questions, and uh, it's not anything out of the ordinary. It's just uh, uh, being all part of a collaborative effort, part of a collaborative effort, and uh, uh, good situation. If I may follow up, is, sure, is, is that any different than it's been under previous head coaches? No, not really. Um, no, it's uh, always had that with... Uh, with pretty much the key football executives. Um, it's just, uh, no, very, very genuine. And you've gone over game plans with previous coaches, Andy and Jeff? You don't go over game plans. You just go over, you know, what are, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses of the opponent? And, uh, you know, that's, that's about it. That's, it's not, not, you're not going over detailed game plans. That's, that would be a waste of uh, their time uh, with me. It's, it's more like, uh, I think we can attack this player. This is a mismatch I want to go after. Um, uh, you know, this defensive coordinator is new at that team. This is uh, we look at film from X, Y, and Z. Try to evaluate him, see how it applies to the personnel they have. Um, like for example, this week on the Redskins. So it's uh, you know, it's, it's it's really it's kind of uh, good stuff, but it's uh, it's not meant to take up a lot of time. I, I really believe in having the coaches spend their time trying to defeat the team we're playing and not discussing a lot with me. You said that you you can't foreshadow the playoffs. What's that? You said you can't foreshadow whether this team is going to make the postseason. But would anything other than the playoffs be a disappointment for you? You know what? 31 teams are going to be disappointed. That's the way it works in this league. We all have the same goal. 31 teams want to win the Super Bowl. 32 teams want to win the Super Bowl. One will. And if you talk to any of the 31 of us, we're going to say we're disappointed. That's the way the NFL works. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys.